Hey, I'm Jamie Neal, host of 360 Yourself. In 2014, I had a breakdown and was hospitalized. Too much work, too much anxiety, too much coffee, not enough self-care and not enough balance. In the hospital, laying over my thoughts, I had to rethink my entire life. The doctor said I was overworked and my body gave up. Now, I'm not gonna say it wasn't scary, but it was a turning point for me. From there, I started to rebuild myself reading hundreds of self-help books and questioning everything from why do we have triggers? What is ego? What is persistence and motivation? What is manifesting? And what is identity? Many years later, someone recommended that I start a podcast. I was always curious about how others lead their lives. And thus, 360 Yourself was born, interviewing incredible minds on how they understand themselves and how they utilize knowledge and awareness to set out into their space. 360 Yourself is a dedicated podcast meeting brilliant and curious minds and looking at the world around them. I speak to artists, musicians, sports athletes, authors, CEOs, and experts in human behaviors, released every Sunday at 12 o'clock. I ask questions about their mindset, journey, values, ethos, to fully understand how each of their minds work and process information. How can we become more aware of ourselves to grow to the ultimate person we know we can be? How do you 360 yourself to 360 the world around you? If you do enjoy our episodes that you're listening to and certain themes and topics ignite within you, please visit our Instagram page at 360 underscore yourself to tell us how you're growing and learning. Or you can email us jamie at 360yourself.co.uk. That's jamie at 360yourself.co.uk. And I'll read out every episode at the end stories and comments from you, the audience, the 360 years. Thank you, and remember to 360 yourself. Hey, how are you doing? Hello. I am very well, thank you, Jamie. How are you? Good. Um, you're in Barcelona now? I am indeed. Very humid, and today we have a rainstorm that has just been on and off all day, which is actually my favourite weather here. A rainstorm? This is so strange. I never mm -hmm. think Barcelona to be having a rainstorm. I'm in Los Angeles at the moment and it's like looks like British weather at the moment. It's not very great. It's very gray and uh, not as sunny. Usually like at 8 a.m. It's really well, not hot, but it's it's sunny. So you can wake up and the, the sun. Goes I mean, it's great. It's great for your mental health. Yeah, I mean, you're talking to someone. You're talking to someone who lives in Barcelona. It is almost relentless. I always say, actually, moving to a sunny place after having lived in England it, the sun almost becomes patronizing after a while you wake up and you want a day where you just chill but the blue no. sky is out there being like come no, on I get always, outside i always want a blue sky and sun i always want it like no see i, I definitely 100 percent. i think it's the the it's the countryside vibes for me wanting to sit by a fireside and wanting to just like enjoy oh, yeah. the cozy vibes you just yeah. don't get that really here you get like five days a year when you get that so there, there, it, this, it's quite funny right so it's sometimes it's like 45 degrees right and then there's that there's the the addition hotel um this is up the road up the road for me and they have this massive fire pit outside and it's always mm. on and i never know why it's always on because sometimes it's like 45 degrees and i'm like why the fire pit on <laughs> It's so odd. They get it. They understand. They understand the aesthetics. I mean, I, I don't know. I know. I know. Obviously, the Soho Farmhouse they have it, and that's always a really great vibe there. But near there, there's also um, another farm shop. I always forget what it's called. It's a fantastic place. But they have it again. You get hot chocolates. You sit outside. It's, it's great. I love it. But anyway, 
tangent there, but yeah, we've got a lovely rainstorm today. It's humid and love it. Love it I so much. It's funny how weather can be a um an easy topic for people can, to relate to because mm. everyone has weather everywhere, right? You're can... very British today. We are being yeah. very British. <laughs> yeah. Why people really talk about it, but like I don't talk about it too much over here. I think because people just kind of take it for granted that it's going to be sunny every single day apart from mm. today. There was, I swear to you, there was one day, maybe like four months ago, and it was it rained, it was a Monday, and it rained hard all day. And people just panicked. They were like, I don't people crashing their cars, <laughs> people were leaving their houses. Like it was a thing. People were freaking out. <laughs> it was just really normal because sometimes it might happen for like two, three hours. But this was like relentless mm-hmm. all day pelting and people just lost their shit. Yeah. Shit. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, I, I can't, I've, I've always been known to be like, I'm going to sound like I'm the quirky girl, but no, like, honestly, you do get this. I love the atmosphere that you get with rain. I, there's a fantastic poem as well. I forget who it's by, but the, the essence of the poem is essentially describing how the cast gray skies make the world feel smaller. And they make it feel cozier and i i just loved really loved that that sentiment that actually it creates this almost this cuddle or this sort of hug that's happening okay well i i mean as much as i do like sitting by a farmhouse with a a cup of tea and with the vibe i do like the weather being really really stinking hot i like it um but i have to i have to every time i have to make sure that i wear sun sunscreen a spray i spray myself every single every time i go out the door because if not i will burn um but anyway moving forward from our british conversation of the weather um where so my what i like to know first is your background like where did you what is your journey that has got you where you are here today including pivots and different mindsets Okay. Well, good, good question. I think that's quite, quite a question, isn't it? Quite it's a loaded quite... question to start with, but I, yeah, I, of course. I'm fascinated because I don't really know that much. And I know a bit, oh. but I'd love to re-delve in. So I grew up in a really strong Christian environment. And I don't think that was, that's not particularly unusual in the UK. Um, but I also went to a, a church school. So it was a school that was attached to the church. And so right up until I was about 25, I attended I was part of a church community. Um, and I mean, I'm not sure really where to start the story from, but I let's do it from college because that's when it started getting interesting. I came yeah. out of the Christian school, I got into college, which is I think high school for- Yeah, high school. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I went, <laughs> I think I got into this uh, first year of college and I was taking something like philosophy, um, art, film, French and, something else I can't I can't recall what that was and uh <laughs> but I think it was the 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 newness or this, this sort of fresh freedom that came with not no longer being under the BDI of the church and I suddenly realized that I could not go to these classes and no one would know and I thought oh, okay this is great so for about four or five months I think it was I just bunked off these classes and would go to parties that were on during the day or go and smoke weed out in the back fields and it was it was my first real taste of freedom. And then one time I was a bit careless and didn't intercept a letter from the college to my parents. And they found out, they said, if she doesn't start attending college, she's not gonna pass her exams. She's not gonna have done enough. And it all kind of spiraled from there. My plans 
really came, um, they really started to get undone. So I dropped out of college first year and then realizing over the summer that I would have no A-levels, which in UK terms for anyone listening is, I would just have GCSEs, which is so basic that looking further you know, towards the future would not be a very smart thing to do. I think I dallied around with thinking like, maybe I'll do a journalism course. Um, but little undiagnosed ADHD me didn't really understand the importance of discipline or consistency, or at least I certainly didn't know how to apply that. Uh-huh. I decided to go back into uh, college and I ended up finishing two years later um, with some just random qualifications and things. Uh, at that time, I decided not to go to university. And um, this is actually quite a sad, this is quite a sad part of the story. Um, I didn't know about going to university. And I think it was because I had struggled so much in school and college with undiagnosed ADHD that it was never really spoken to me about as an option. And so when everyone started going off to university, I just decided that I would start saying, I'm deciding not to go because I almost looking back, I think there was a lot of embarrassment there and quite a lot of awkwardness over the fact that I didn't understand the system. Um, so uh, that looking back after my post-diagnosis, I was always thinking like, that's actually quite a sad occurrence to have happen. And I think that happens with quite a lot of people is we don't actually receive the support that we need in order to help us stay in education and formal education. I ended up working for a charity. I moved up to Manchester, uh, because of a church that was up there. And they became quite integrated within that community. I had a number of jobs over a few years. I worked for charity, uh, one in human trafficking, one in local community. Um, I ended up becoming a fitness instructor. And then I went on to work at Manchester United doing business development. This was all within about a four year period. Wow. Um, So I just followed my nose really. I just decided like, just try different things out. Um, And looking back, the ADHD thing was super obvious, but Still Still not really happening, Um, but I would always do very well for myself because I think if you can do well in interviews, if you're a people person, I had lots of skills that I could play around with. I was also in an emotionally abusive relationship at the time with someone who was from the church um, and that went on for five and a half years. It was very on and off and it really taught me a lot about why people stay and it underpins a lot of the work that I do now. Um, as well. So I was in Manchester, I was with this person and that relationship was developing despite it being a horrible relationship as they do. They just seem to just keep going. Um, we ended up getting engaged and Ooh. Ooh, oh, the story oh, developed. Very yeah, I didn't, I didn't expect that one. Yeah. Anyway, carry on. <laughs> so we were, I was 25, uh, 24 when we got engaged. Um, and over the period of about six months, I just started realizing that things didn't quite seem right. Um, I don't know if you've ever been in an unhealthy dynamic with people um, or an extremely unhealthy dynamic, but romantically it can become very confusing. And so it really does take something like getting engaged to start seeing like, oh, what do I actually think about this? So despite us having had a four and a half year relationship up until that point or a five year relationship until that point, we weren't i didn't really start to spot the signs i just knew something was up can you not but every see, time I, can you not see the red the red flags though um i was i mean i was a kid right when i met them i was 19 um and the thing about it's very insidious emotional abuse you don't have bruises you don't have um 
you, you don't have the physical display of aggression. It's mm. mental, verbal, and emotional. And I think that's one of the, the, the really difficult things to, to, to spot, especially if you are, I mean, if you think I'm passionate now, like if you think I've got a lot of character now, you can imagine that being unbridled as a 19 year old woman, you know, just being this character in light of the church also encouraging you to be more meek and mild. And I was always known as the rebellious character. So his comments towards me and the way that he would criticize or degrade me weren't new. That was how I had been spoken to by people in a number of different areas. Right, okay. Does that follow? Yeah, that makes sense, yeah. Yeah. I, I, I always think, right, when people, when people, like partners would be like, oh, you, so the person, a scenario, right? Someone comes through the door, the, your partner, and they're wearing a certain thing and the partner goes, take that off or you can't go out mm-hmm. like that. I'm like, you should definitely say something be like, I'm wear whatever <laughs> I want to wear. Like, I don't yeah. know why that, I mean, obviously there's a okay. thing and that sort of thing, but I think those are clear signs that going, that yeah, person's yeah. controlling that other person. It's clear when you see it from the outside, when you're in it, there are other dynamics at play. So let me explain how that situation may play out in an unhealthy dynamic. Right. You, someone walks in the room, I don't like what you're wearing. Like, go and change. It's too distracting. You're going to draw it like, that's not appropriate. You are my partner, right? Then you say, no, I like wearing it. I think I look good. Oh, so you don't respect me. Is that what you're saying? No, that's not what I'm saying. Right, so go and change. No, I don't want to change. Right, but you're my partner. You're going to attract attention from other men. And I don't want that. You know, and then, and then this is how I would respond. So I would, this is how I would downgrade. I'd be like, mm-hmm. I understand your frustration. I understand your confusion from what I, what I might, what, what I might mm-hmm. be appear to be wearing. There is no lack of respect here. I am yours. You are mine. But I want to expressly feel, uh, uh, um, express how I'm feeling mm-hmm. via my outfits. Mm-hmm. I, I understand where you're coming from, but I wouldn't ever judge you for what you, what you wore. And mm-hmm. I would definitely honor it and I would support it. So I don't think you should try to unsupport me and what I'm doing. Of course, of course. And I think, how old are you? <laughs> a lot older than probably someone who's 21 or 22. Yeah, than a 21 year old who's grown up in the church, right? Like we have to put these into social con- context as well. Yeah. That young women are taught to respect at the time as well. This was, you know, over a decade ago you know, we are talking about these young women or younger people who are much more easily manipulated. He was the past, he was the son's past, he was the pastor's son. You know, he was, he was the golden child. And in that context, I was the rebellious one. And he was the one who, and this is where the second part of their reasoning comes in. I'm trying to protect you. I'm trying to protect your modesty. I'm trying to support you. This is where we have the context of the church coming in too. And when you have, I mean, girls with ADHD are almost um, criticized from the off because we are told that we are too much. We're too loud. We're too boisterous. We're too passionate. We're too flirtatious. We're too Yeah, yeah. And so what he was saying to me wasn't anything new. I had already been told throughout school that I was too flirtatious. I had already been told throughout school that I was X, Y, Z. And so when you're in the context of a, which is also its own spiritual abuse, right? 
and, and, and we know that many of these religious institutions do uphold these incredibly damaging narratives. But the thing is, is that you don't have to understand how or why people stay because they have their own reasons why. And this is where the dynamic of abuse comes in, is that it isn't just based on one healthy adult speaking to another healthy adult. It is based on somebody who is easily manipulated or targeted because for whatever reason, they are desiring the validation of the other person. Uh When we started our relationship, he pursued me heavily for about five weeks. I then agreed to be, I was like, okay, I'll be your girlfriend. One week later, he turns around, he's like, I don't think this is right. It's over. I don't want to do this. I was like, oh, okay. Like, like obviously very confusing behavior. This is a process. And then when I would decide to pull back, he would chase after me again. It's a cycle. It's a behavior called intermittent reassurance. Uh-huh. And essentially what it does is it draws someone in, makes them feel like, oh, da, da, da. and when they start adoring you back, you pull away, they chase you, which is the part that you want. You want to feel the most desired by this person. Of but they course. Need- cool it's just cool it's games that people used to play when younger absolutely and so uh and then that cycle literally carried on for five years they are it's so difficult to get out of and objectively we can say what the fuck like why did you stay yeah when you're in it i mean i had that with avoid an avoidant person uh, mm. so avoidant secure anxious and so this mm. avoidant person would make me feel anxious because they were avoidant and then I just got I got mm. tired I was like it's just <laughs> I saw so many red flags and I was like this is just crazy why am I putting myself yeah. in this? and I just left yeah well it, it, you know we have to, I mean I also acknowledge within that relationship that I was in I had certain things within me that allowed that dynamic to thrive yeah you know where and And I think that that's something that's important to acknowledge because had I been who I am now, the guy, he's not going fucking anywhere with that, you know, like it's not happening, but I didn't know that I had those vulnerabilities. I didn't know that I could be manipulated like that Mm. because you literally don't know what you don't know. Yeah. It's, it's fascinating. Is that whole, that I, nowadays, like I, time is, I think obviously as you get older, time is much more precious. So then you decide, I just don't want to, play these games mm. so when you're younger you're like oh I like you and then I don't like you and then you want the power and the person wants the power and then you don't want to text a person you wait for that person to text you and you're just like why do we put ourselves through that mm. why do we do that when you're younger and then when you get older you're like that's so silly it's so, it's so nonsense yeah well I mean there's hormones right first of all it's like we're like oh my god I fancy them I like I think we have a lot less self-awareness to oh, yeah. even know that actually like okay, actually, I just really fancy them because of their body or there's this, but we also have less experience in social dynamics. Uh We don't, we're not as aware of of how many people there are in the world. We aren't aware of the fact that we can disagree. We're more likely to be people pleasing, you know, and also we, I think we are still very much underneath this illusion of the one. We're still very much under this illusion that we should be married with kids by 25, you know, like (laughs) there is, this sort of race that happens that that's where you're going to find if we if we think about late teens early 20s it's such an insecure part of life because it's it's terrifying you're suddenly thrown into adulthood with no manual and all of a sudden you've got to like get on with it and depending on a whole number of other factors that's either going to be like yeah cool bring it on or it's going to be like who can i find who's going to help me or distract me from the huge question of who am I? 
that question who am I the, the, mm-hmm. the, I, I, talk, I talk to people as well but like not not what do I want to do or or anything like that but it's like who do I want to be when you're mm. young? like we go like oh what do we want to do but the question should be like who do I want to be mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. I mean you only realize that when you get older that that's more of an important question rather than what people do is their title but it's who they mm. are as a person is more important yeah, your character starts to show up a lot more. Or it matters matters a yeah. lot, lot more. Yeah. yeah. It's I think actually, funnily enough, that calling off the wedding was a difficult thing to do because he he literally wouldn't accept it. Um, and so he anytime I tried to bring it up, he would change the conversation and guilt trip me. And so I, I it's one of my defining moments of learning my character and how tenacious I am was when I sat there and had that conversation where I said, you need to understand we are not getting married in six months. And he said, yes, we will. You will marry me because you said you would. And I said, (laughs) and I said, I would like to see you try sunshine. It's not happening. And I, I really dug my heels in and looking back, I mean, it took me another year to understand the abusive dynamics. I didn't see it at first. Um, the PTSD kicked in pretty darn quick, like within a month, but it took me another year to understand the dynamics. But it was the first time of my life that looking back, I really saw my character jump out. That curiosity that I had because I decided to leave because I thought, well, I was having physical symptoms of PTSD during the relationship, which I didn't recognize. If he would uh, come, if I was alone with him, if he would come near me, I would feel physically sick, and I would I would actually like um, recoil around him, and I would avoid it. And the idea of being on honeymoon with him, I would actually end up gagging. I would feel so sick. Wow! But wow. I I just didn't know what it was. I was just like, it's nerves, it's nerves. Okay. Now I know it was PTSD. Um, but it it's such an interesting thing because the thing that triggered it wasn't his behavior. What triggered me wanting to leave was me realizing I was more curious about what was on the other side of not having him in my life. I thought I've done five years of you in my life and I'm not enjoying, like, I don't think I'm happy. Although it'd be painful to leave, I'm more curious about what life would hold it's, if you it's, weren't here. Well, it's interesting, isn't it, how people, the the other side of things, right? You, mm. you get so attached to someone and the separation anxiety and stuff. I'm like, how am I going to do life? Or, I'm mm. like, you, you, if you, if you actually imagine yourself over that bridge of, of that, the, that relationship, you then understand going, well, actually I was doing life before I met you. And that's where, I, that's why I find comfort when I have sometimes have that, those separation anxieties. I honestly mm-hmm. generally think about, I've come so far. Mm. I can honestly do it without them. Even though this, my, my, my life is amazing. And this person is a brilliant and, and really supportive in what all these amazing things you get from a partner fundamentally i've actually got to where i am without a partner mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. that's what you should try to reassure yourself in yeah <laughs> career focus yeah there we go. honestly that's that's what my life has been i think definitely when my early in my early years i think I, and also my parents as well were very very um supportive and and, and very much like career first like mm-hmm. i think some families are like oh career but babies and Mm. my family weren't that my family were like Mm. go after your career go after what you want and so that's what I was brought up with so for me for a long time there was no one 
there was just like mm. dating but no commitment whatsoever um yeah and so so i sacrificed for what for what it, I, wanted. I mean you say that but i mean the thing is is in, if we look at this from a sociological perspective it's very interesting because as a man you are naturally more encouraged to pursue your career and the relationship will come yeah as a as a woman growing up as in our society alongside growing up within the church there is this like other layer of like oh she's single like this is an older woman like there is like this horribly yeah. insidious it, it, like my sister is also same thing but we would my sister's mm. also career driven like that's where we oh uh, yeah i think it's great it's great what i mean is that the parents can really help deliver especially younger girls away from that idea that you know the family unit is the thing to drive for of course, um, of course. i i feel i feel i definitely had a push and a pull with it because um i being raised in that church environment is there is a heavy family focus um mm -hmm. and it's just super interesting because my my parents they're not really bothered they're like you just do you you know like and they always say about me they, they're like you you just do what you want we can't ever tell you what to do so exactly. you know you'll <laughs> and i'm like okay <laughs> my dad my parent my dad so to, to discipline my dad used to be like i can't tell you what to do but i'll be disappointed and that's the <laughs> So knowing that they'll be disappointed is yeah. more than enough not to do it. So that's how yeah, we yeah, get yeah. it. So it's like psychology, right? It's like mm -hmm. you can do it, but I'll be really angry. Um, and uh, and it's maybe obviously a bit, of, a bit of manipulation in there. But uh, it, it, it really, worked. It really did work because I wouldn't mm -hmm. do things because I didn't want to disappoint my dad. Whatever, whatever mm -hmm. it is, like if you, I mean, like a tattoo or whatever, like, or get your ear pierced. Like he's like, I can't control you, but if you want to get your pierced, I'll be disappointed, but you've got to do it. <laughs> And then you, you got to weigh it all up. You got to weigh it all up. Yeah, yeah. No, I get that. I get that. So, one. so my question before, what was? How did you get into life coaching? Like, what was the sort of? Because obviously, you had like these multiple string of different careers, and obviously, it's built up into what you are I mean, now. We haven't finished yet. Yeah. So, I mean, so after that relationship, I moved down to London, and I had to start a whole new life because um, the person I'd been with told everyone that I had a mental breakdown, and he made everyone essentially um disown me and, and lose contact with me so i lost all my friends i lost you know any idea of who i thought i was in community with others which was really difficult the mental health aspect was incredibly um infuriating to have people spread that rumor he couldn't accept that i didn't want to be with him so telling everyone that i'd had a mental breakdown was you know his little ploy um so when i got to london i had to start connecting with some new people and I, I went through a number of different jobs. I trained to become a pregnancy choices counselor to help women uh, who are pregnant to whether or not they continue or to terminate their pregnancies. I did sign language. I, I just basically had a lot of playing around really. Um, and it wasn't actually until I started working, I started up a business selling antique jewelry. And a couple of years into that, I, I think about not even a couple of years, a year if that, I knew that I had to go and get diagnosed with ADHD because I, it had been mentioned briefly by one teacher in college around the dropout era. And um, yeah, it, that leads me into how I got into coaching because once I got the diagnosis and once I started learning about different tools to manage anxiety and the symptoms around it, I thought, holy shit, we need to be talking more about this. 
And for me, my passion for coaching really comes from supporting people from that place where we feel like we are in that mess. Uh We can't make sense of things. That's where therapy comes in. But for me, it's the steps that come after in being able to understand how habits are built, how we build patterns, how we learn about ourselves in relation to what works. Uh, And essentially you start releasing that pressure that we have to follow the same path as those people. Mm. yeah because there's a difference between a life coach and a therapist mm. a bit. Mm. and so could you could you explain because some people might not know the difference yeah of course of course so I mean I um, I for me my duty of care for people's mental health is number one and that means that that I really respect therapy there are a lot of people um and a lot of there's a lot of rhetoric in the coaching world that where people don't uh, actually give therapy the credit that it deserves. So you'll hear a lot of things where people are trying to go against um, traditional therapeutic therapy methods and therapy spaces. Therapy provides people with a very safe space to explore more about who they are, especially relating to past abuse or trauma. So a therapist is someone who is I've actually got it in a new workbook that I'm writing. I go through all these distinctions because you're right. People don't understand. We have psychiatry, we have psychologists, and then we have uh, therapists and they are the main core group of um, professionals who are able to support people in their mental health care and their understanding. The way I see the role and I talk about the role of therapy is being able to help you separate a lot of the wheat from the chaff. It really helps you to undo some of those threads to understand more about what's going on and to feel a lot less plagued by the confusion of life Uh in a safe space. So for me, the emphasis really is on the emotional safety that somebody is able to cultivate in a one-on-one relationship with their therapist. Does that follow? Yep, yep, yep. And then when we come into life coaching, with it being an unregulated industry, we really have to rely on the fact that people have ethical practices because Otherwise, we end up with, as we see across the board, that there are a number of very questionable things going on. There is billions on the table to be made. And it's something that can very quickly spiral because social media content can be made very quickly. It can, and there are some awesome, awesome resources out there. But life coaching itself is essentially that process of coming alongside people to help them understand more about where they're at and what is the next steps that's best for them. For me, I focus primarily on helping people to develop their autonomy and their sense of self. So I really help focus people on bringing out what their voice is, who they are, the decisions that they want to make, the boundaries that they want to set uh-huh. in line with the goals that they want to achieve. Cool. I mean, how did you stumble upon <laughs> that? Like, I, I, I talk to a lot of people about how life, I was talking to a lot of people that, because we, we sometimes spiral as people of like, what are we doing with our time? And mm-hmm. we're double dabbling. And I've always believed that the universal the space or whatever you, whatever you call it, will somehow come all together and it will all make sense. And so this is what potentially has happened to you is that you've had this amazing experience throughout your life, goods and bads. But they've, mm-hmm. when I say amazing, is in like, it's got you to where you are now with the, mm-hmm. with the education, with the knowledge that you have. And so now you can help people. But without that, you wouldn't potentially be doing what you're doing now. But somehow all these experiences and everything and working in these within the four years, these different jobs and us and your experience in your relationship has, has, has 
aided you to get to a point now where you're going like life coach I want to help people and I love mm. how like life somehow does that like we sometimes don't know what the the middle road is or even like just the beginning of that road is right but we go through mm. all these different tunnels and somehow yes. all these experiences that we've got and the skill sets somehow marry into one and then it kind of just yeah. makes sense I think that I think that's a really lovely way of putting it and it's a it is a very almost it's it's almost like the symphony that happens, right? Where there's just all these different strings of these experiences that come together. But something that I like to do is, I mean, I'm, I like uh, the spiritual, I like the scientific, I like the critical thinking aspects of these things as well. And from a critical thinking perspective, it makes a lot of sense because what we experience, we learn and what we learn, we are able to apply knowledge you know, and, and share. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it, it, as much as it is a very magical process for any of us, what we spend our time doing, we then have a greater knowledge of, and therefore are able to share and use in more productive ways. Yeah. You know, if, if I had spent all of those years baking different cupcakes flavors, I, that would be my specialist thing now. Probably, <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> I would have a better understanding of different cupcake flavors, but I, I've always had a very, I mean, quite a crucial part of my story that I've left out is that I lost a friend in my early twenties, um, very suddenly, which actually led into a huge, um, storm of anxiety throughout my twenties. And it was only in really, I guess my passion was how many years I lost of my life to poor mental health, to not knowing that I had ADHD, to not understanding this, that I now have this almost just like bulldog like clamped teeth around this i like this vision to say actually we need to change the narrative around mental health and the way that we are looking at human potential Mm -hmm. and the way that we are supporting people in this process and not just losing out because when we look at it from a systemic perspective mental health is such a very real way that we lose incredibly brilliant minds whether that be through actually deteriorating mental health, whether it be through a lack of a fulfilling potential or a lack of actually moving forward into the ideas, the self-doubt, for example, uh-huh. the, I mean, it's insane when we really think about how many things we don't have because the people who could otherwise fulfill those, those jobs or those roles or those, that, that potential in our society are in their bedrooms doubting themselves, you know? Self-doubt is a real thing, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> it is a real thing it yeah doesn't it doesn't matter how successful you are in quotation mark whatever success is people mm-hmm. everyone, everyone does it and i think oh, of course our, the, the best the best advice i can give people right is what i it was what i use this is my tool right so when i'm feeling a bit down about whatever it is i might be like oh they've ran out, i've ran out of guacamole in the fridge i mean that's sometimes yeah. when I'm, down. I, I'm a food person right i mean I, I joke about the trivial things, but if I'm feeling a bit down about anything that I, I haven't done this or I can't get that or whatever, I always tap into, this is how it helps me, that there are 8 billion people in the world, right? Mm-hmm. And at some point, someone is feeling the exact same feeling you're feeling. Yes. And that's how I do it, right? Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. And so it helps me because then I feel not alone, but I'm like, oh, someone else is feeling exactly the same as I'm feeling. And I saw yeah. this kinesthetic energy thing. Yeah, yeah, that's so funny. Bit, I, it makes me feel a little bit better that I'm not alone. 
I wrote something very similar on my IG stories recently about how it, when you are all stuck in that place, you've got to think, has anyone in history ever felt this way before? And then yeah. I, I literally wrote this I, and I, I came up with this technique because I was like the isolation that it creates in our minds is so robust that it's very hard because you are not the the extroversion of being able to to see other people doing things or doubting themselves just isn't there in the same we cannot see other people's self-doubt we cannot see other people's internal world we only see the assumption that everyone else is fine you know we have that assumption and and there is a lot there is a lot as well that happens especially for women um, and women with ADHD is that we believe our, our faults are personal and psychological rather than social and systemic. There's a, that's actually uh, Kaisia Urbaniak, she says that, she's bloody brilliant. Anyway, um, but yes, this exact same thing of actually, has anyone in history ever been in a situation or felt like this before? Yes. Okay, so I'm not, we're, I've now got a little teammate, you know, in my mind. I'm like, okay, I've got a teammate now. Have any of those people found a way through? Yes. I'm like, okay, cool. Maybe a couple of them found it a bit too tricky, but majority, like we're going, majority, come on team. Majority, yeah. Not, yeah. And, and for me, as if I am with other people, if I need to be in a room where I need to help other people manage their shit, I'm like, let's go like delegate or like I'm on it. For me at certain points in my life, when I have been in my solitude, when I have not had or been able to see those other people who need me to help them, uh, deteriorate right because there isn't this mo forward movement of a goal or a project or something to move towards which is so integral to us as human beings to feel that we are of purpose mm. how are you using your time wisely mm. we, I, just had, okay. I just had another podcast with um uh, a person called jay who runs uh, finer uh female members club and we we, we just talk, talked about that about what's your purpose timing how you utilize your time and stuff like projects like how do you feel like you're moving forward even though that you might be slightly impatient but you are moving forward but it's not the pace that you want to yeah yeah and i think that's a really that's a really really important um aspect is again i remember one time i was coming home from a uh what was it as a sign language class and i had i was listening to a beyonce song in my headphones but i was dancing inside my head I had this whole like music video and like, yeah, um, mm. yeah. And what was so interesting was I was saying to myself, like, why the hell? I mean, I was in White City at the time, um, in some like random estate near some school that we'd been um, signing out. And I just remember walking home and I was like, why is my head in this like glamorous location, but my body is just like walking through White City? What's going on here? And it really helped me to understand how easy it is to conceive in the mind, yet not and that dissociation that can come up with where the physical body is and i remember a few years ago i was running a workshop about uh dating and one of the things i was i had someone ask a question as part of q a and she said i want closure from my last relationship but my ex won't speak to me and i said okay i was like well what needs to happen in this situation is you need to become the authority and bring closure in for yourself because they're still the authority for the closure you need to become that and they said easier said than done and logged off the logged off the um the workshop and i was like cool like ev what isn't easier said than done mm -hmm. like what in what in the world is not easier said than done like it takes a few seconds to say anything 
any action requires even physically more effort. Yeah. You know, and it, and it just blew my mind because I was like, you want, you asked for an answer, but what do you want? You want me to implant this in your brain? And I think sometimes this understanding that the goal takes, and again, coming back to why I wanted to get into what I do, is we have to understand that the the difficulty of the journey is what stops so many people because oh. they don't know to anticipate the difficulty. Yeah. I, I always say to people, right, about careers, right, we never really look at the lifestyle. You don't look mm. at, like, you, don't look, you do something, right, and you're like, that looks amazing being a PR or it looks amazing being a flight attendant, but yet you don't realise <laughs> that... That you don't realize the lifestyle and then no. they do it and they're like oh I don't really enjoy the lifestyle of it and I'm like why did you not think like why is it why do we see that but we don't see the lifestyle of it like that's well, it yeah we have a projection of that also I mean it's the same that we thing that we do when we look at other people and we feel intimidated by them because we are fully aware of the um insecurities we have or the lack of completion that we see within ourselves and what we tend to do is we project onto other people uh, we not only see their beauty or their image or what we do their confidence we also assume that they're good at maths we also assume that they must be amazing at drawing eyes in art do you know what i mean like we just assume that their relationships go really well because um, we have a positive assumption of things in general because if we can believe that the dream job exists as a flight attendant or a dancer or whoever, then at least we may have an escape from the fact that we don't have a current answer right now. So, yeah, I think there's a lot of fantasy is that like in the job or whatever. Also, I don't think these things are portrayed. I mean, like social media, like we are not portrayed the reality of half of what these jobs actually include. No, not at all. That's what uh, but I think. Because we don't know to conceive those negatives. We don't know that they exist. That's why one of my friends who was on the show, uh, May and Sam, and they run a Eric, which is a careers advice platform. And they basically just go into schools and actually give honest, good career advice because everyone, I mean, not, I mean, if you wanted to become a radio plugger, I always say radio plugger to any, any, any reference. Cause I think that's the most amazing job. But if you didn't want, if you want to become a radio plugger, or you want to become a YouTuber or whatever, like people at school don't, give advice on that uh, or uh-huh. a life coach no one says how do i want to become a life coach everyone says yeah. like, oh lawyer fireman policeman whatever those sort of normal jobs are whatever normal is but i think it is fascinating isn't it, that we we're not sort of given the opportunity to really explore i don't know what we really want to do or can do um and that's what that's why this this eric this platform is really really great to really open the the door in terms of like what careers are out there and possible as well and, and all these mm-hmm. things. but uh yeah, yeah the, kind of like the fantasy of like what the ins and outs of a career is is really important and that's why and that's also why I like i like talking like and inviting people from on this podcast as well like who have such different careers and life and stuff because they really you really get to understand what it is to be in their shoes as well and what the end mm. they are as a person and who it, what it takes to and also what it takes as a person to be where they're at like not just like mm-hmm. what they've done but as a person because it's all people yeah yeah so. yeah 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 of course i always come back to the idea in everything in life that it never feels like you think it will never reaching your goals doesn't feel like you think it will because what we what we prescribe to that goal is so often 
the self-esteem, the confidence. When I get there, I'll feel amazing. When I'm in the relationship, I'll feel loved. When I have this much money in my bank account, I'll feel great again, you know? And it's so interesting. And it's something I do with my clients consistent. And it's funny, I've had worked with a few of them now for a couple of years. And one of them said to me actually yesterday, they said, it's like you always say, it never feels like you think it will. And when we start to understand that, I think we understand the importance of being in the presence uh-huh. now. We understand actually, hang on a minute. It's not so much about constantly chasing for these goals, but what experience can I give myself of life that I can enjoy today Uh and also is going to help me tomorrow? Words of wisdom. So (laughs) as we we conclude um, this episode, which I don't really want to, um, what would you give back to our audience or even your younger self that Mm -hmm. you would be inspired by? And that could be a book, a painting, a quote, anything, a podcast. What would you give back? I, that's a really great question. Um, I'm just going to think for a second. There is a quote, which I'll have to look up. So I'll look at that in a second. But in terms of what advice, I think it would always be to be more rebellious than you feel physically you can be, but less rebellious than you want to be mentally. Right. And I and what I mean by that is like push yourself physically to be out there, to be doing things, to be taking action, but mentally begin to understand that these extremes of your mind also need to be critiqued and sharpened. Uh-huh. So I have a very rebellious spirit. You do. But <laughs> like I and I love it. And I think especially if I look at my work on TikTok and I look at the way that I am engaging in these conversations and even how I engage with the well-being and the coaching industry, I'm very much like, right, we need to talk about this, we need to talk about this. But previously I think I did less, but I thought more. Whereas now I do more, I create more, but I and I think a lot more critically and I think a lot more. Does that follow? That does follow, yes. And I, and I think for, for my younger self, I, I, I love the rebellious spirit in people, but I think there is like this, almost this, this bridling of a wild horse that has to happen. Uh-huh. You want the horse to run, but you need it to go in the direction that you want it to go in. Yeah. That's, that's probably a, a better way to express, express, explain okay. it. And then is there a quote as well to follow that? Just looking at that. You're looking at the quote. If I, shall I make, yeah. I'll make some like, you know. Yeah, can elevator. you make some elevator music? Yeah, elevator. <laughs> or, is it, or is it more like is it more like less it's like why, why is it never like why is it always elevate music it's like that it's like neither here or there it's like why is it not like dragon force or like guns and roses like why is it not what in the lift yeah, in the lift. Because oh, I don't think anyone needs to be like waking up to that. Do you know, like when people I are in lifts, it's either it. in the morning or, like or a bit, at night. Or a bit of Madonna or something. I have, no, I tell you what we need in lifts is Eye of the Tiger. Oh, man. No, you come yes. out, you get in your lift to come down I, the, if, the if shaft. I, and the... If, I, if I one day own a building or a company, whatever it is, and I have a building and I have a lift, 
I'm going to be curating that playlist and playing Rocky. And all <laughs> yeah. But like- you've got to pay for it all, don't forget. You've got to pay royalties for it. So oh, that's you- going to be another cost. Well, yeah, of course. Royalty, you need to pay for music licenses. Oh, yeah, you do. Yeah, forget about Yeah, that. so that's going to be an added cost on your building. And you're going that's to add right, that but, to the, but then, but the flat we, rental? But, but, or? How you, okay, how you, how you navigate and how you um, summarize the, this expense, right? If people feel more engaged and they uh-huh. feel more pumped, they're going to work harder and then, uh-huh. then you're going to make more money. I, I, I'm not I'm not saying don't. I'm just saying like that's, there is that extra that's, cost. That's you know? my theory. But that's the payoff is also there, right? Yeah, the payoff is there. So. I've got the quote. I've got the quote. Yeah, okay, you got a quote. Go, go. All right. So this is a quote by Betty Friedan. And she says, it is easier to live through someone else than to complete yourself. The freedom to lead and plan your own life is frightening if you've never faced it before. It is frightening when a woman finally realizes that there is no answer to the question of who am I except the voice inside herself and for me that was I, I remember reading that in my late 20s and I was like oh my god like it's really set a match in me to have to and I don't know if you know much of my TikTok content but I talk a lot about having been single for five and a half years which also raises a lot of the <laughs> it dredges up a lot of the like underbelly of the internet as well but it's it's super interesting because the older i'm getting and the more i am resisting just crawling into this cage of like aging and fading away the more i am just really lit up by like fuck you you actually can't tell me what to do or what to believe and the more that i develop that the more attention you get both negatively and positively and then the more space and the bigger platform you have to share that voice too. And I, I love that actually when we are, when we do pursue more of who we are and the more that we do understand more about the roles and the, the importance and the power that we can all play as social beings and with these really important messages and connect through that, it's incredible the, the capacity for change that we now have coming into the future. Mm. I love that. Amen. Amen, digital platforms. Amen to you. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I could talk about this all day. We love you, TikTok. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. I do. It was, do you know what? It was where I found my, it's definitely been where I found my home. I've only been on it six months and my growth is crazy. So, never had that. It's because you're talking the truth, though. People people gravitate towards truth. They do. I mean, there's a lot of people on there with followers. I mean, right. truth is an interesting concept, but I, I agree. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm confident in what I say, and and I, I'm the truth shall set you free. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> well, I want to say thank you so much for coming on 360 yourself. You have been 360. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Thank you very much for taking the time to listen to our awesome guests. Please subscribe to our podcast to access all our amazing episodes. We are released every Sunday at 12 o'clock. We are available on all listening platforms, Spotify, Pocket Cast, Google Podcasts, and Apple Podcasts. You can also find us on Instagram for more discussions, education, and inspiration at 360 underscore yourself. The host, that's me, Jamie Neal, on Instagram at JamieNealJM. If you do enjoy our episodes that you're listening to and certain themes and topics ignite within you, please email jamie at 360.co.uk and I'll read out at the end of each episode stories and comments from you, the audience, the 360ers. And remember to 360 yourself.